We're grateful that you're all here this morning, and uh, I'm happy to uh, have this opportunity of, of speaking to you for a few minutes this morning. It's been uh, quite some time since I've had this privilege, so uh, I'm looking forward to sharing some things, and hopefully it'll be things that will be encouraging to you. On August the 28th, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King stood before a huge gathering of people in Washington, D.C., and gave his concluding address to the people that had marched on Washington for racial equality. As he stood in the shadow of the Lincoln Memorial and looked out across a sea of black faces, he told them that... uh, they were going to experience that day the, the greatest uh, movement that had taken place in the history of their nation for freedom. He reminded them of where they had been. He talked a bit about where they were now. And then with brilliant brushstrokes, he gave his I Have a Dream speech and painted for them what his dream was for their future. In Acts, the second chapter, the day the church was birthed, Peter stood up and explained to the people that were gathered there why it was they had heard the people speaking in so many different languages. And he told them that it was a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And Joel had said, in the last days, I'm going to pour forth my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to see visions, and your old men are going to dream dreams. Well, I can't dream dreams with the uh, expertise that Dr. Martin Luther King did, but with the blessing of Scripture that old men should dream dreams, I want to share a little bit this morning about some of my dreams for this congregation. First of all, let me point out that As I have been dreaming dreams, I have not thought particularly about larger buildings. I have not thought about new programs. I have not been thinking about catchy phrases that we could use to explain some of the things that we are doing or some of the things we might want to do. And all of these are important, but they are the kind of things that are bricks and mortar. They are the kind of things that have to do with with planning. They are the kind of things that have with doing. And what I have really been thinking about is being. And you might say, what do you mean when you, when you talk about being? Well, this is what I mean. Being is about who we really are when we face personal difficulty. Being is about who we are when our boyfriend or girlfriend dumps us. Being is about who we are when we lose our job. Or being is about who we are when tragedy comes into our life in some way. Being is about who we are when we spend time with uh, people, either at work or in recreation, that do not have the same kind of moral standard that we operate by. Being is about how we treat folks when we don't like them really very much. I think being is about how we respond when we pray to God for something that we believe is, is significant, something that is going to perhaps enhance the kingdom in some way. Maybe we're praying about somebody's health. Maybe we're praying about somebody's life. 
And it appears for some reason or other that God might have lost our phone number. That God is not actually in tune with the kind of things that we're in tune with. And that for some reason, whatever it might be, he's not delivering the kind of message that we would like for him to deliver. Personally, being is about uh, having having a colonoscopy. And just before that takes place, to pray to God and say, God, I I really don't want to have cancer, but all of this is in your hands, and so whatever happens, I can't do anything about it, and I trust in you, and it's going to be okay, whatever the message is. It's also about receiving the message a few minutes later and having the doctor say to you, my friend, you have cancer, and how one responds to that initial prayer that they had offered to God. Being is about how we respond to someone that is telling us something that we really, deep down in our heart, believe they ought to be talking to somebody else about rather than to us. I think being is about who we are at the very, very core of our being, at the very, very core of our existence. I think it's about not having to make moral decisions on the fly, which sometimes we do, because we know who we are and we know whose we are. And so, first of all, my dream for this congregation and my dream for each of you is that each of us would be rooted and grounded in God's love, that we would know who we are, and that we would be people that know God and know that God knows and loves us. And I think that... uh, this, this dream for the congregation is expressed very well in the words that Kelly read just a few minutes ago. Notice again, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit, and I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love, and may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. Notice what he said. What he said was that he wanted these folks to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being. And that, I believe, is what being is all about. He wanted them to be rooted and grounded in love. He wanted them to be able to grasp the unsurpassing greatness of God's love. And he wanted them to be filled with all of the fullness of God. But I also dream that our congregation will be a place where people experience safe refuge. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've sought safe refuge. And I think folks have longed for safe refuge since there were folks, since the very beginning of time. I'm reminded of, uh, of David in the Old Testament. His friend Ahithophel had abandoned him for whatever reason. And David felt badly about that. He said, I could have have dealt with it if it had been an enemy, but it was you, my friend, my my dear one, my beloved, one that I had gone up to the house of God with to worship. And for whatever reason, he'd abandoned him. And then David said, or just before this, he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I might fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter. 
I don't know if you've ever longed for the wings of a dove, but I know you have longed for safe refuge. And I believe that's what our congregation should be. It should be a place of safe refuge. Jesus recognized the need for safe refuge when uh, he told his disciples that he was the shepherd and, and he talked about the people in the sheepfold. And he said there is a thief that comes to, to steal and there are perhaps animals that come to destroy, but I, I'm the good shepherd and you're going to be able to go in and go out and, and find refuge. And I believe that that's what Jesus wants for our body. He wants people to be able to come and go and find safe refuge. Many of the folks that are citizens of our city are here because they're looking for safe refuge. Perhaps some of you are here for that reason. Interestingly enough, uh, some of our Sudanese brothers and sisters uh, went from Sudan to Ethiopia. They were in uh, camps there, refugee camps. And while they were there, they looked for safe refuge in the body of Christ as they met with other Christians and as they found refuge from all of the hardships that they had felt in Sudan and then again in Ethiopia. We look for safe refuge, but our world is not always a safe place. Uh, There are many kids that are abused at home and that are bullied at school. There are wives that are battered at home and that are uh, betrayed many uh, in many different ways. And we have all experienced places where we did not experience safety. We also live in a, in a noisy, very fast-paced uh, world. We live in a, in a world that is in and out in traffic on the Deerfoot world. And we need refuge. And I don't know about, about you, but maybe you experienced some of that this morning. I think Kevin experienced that just, uh, just a little while ago as he was talking uh, earlier this morning. And I believe that There is refuge, and that church must be that place. It's a place where the discouraged, where the fearful, where those that wonder if life is ever going to be the same again can come, and in God's presence, and in the presence of fellow believers, of brothers and sisters, find refuge. That's what Jesus had in mind when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Church needs to be a place where we can take off our masks. It needs to be a place where we can weep with those that weep, where we can laugh with those that laugh. It needs to be a place where we can share our hearts with those we love. I was talking to uh, Wayne this week. And Wayne uh, lives in in a world that is fast-paced. He lives in a world that is very busy. He lives in a world where... Uh, He deals with people's pain on a daily basis as he talks to them about how they're going to deal with the loss of a loved one. And I'm wondering, Wayne, can you share with us just just a moment about how you find church a safe refuge from this kind of world in which you live? First of all, I want to say that, that the work I do daily is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. Now, that's not to say that it's not without some uh, emotional impact. Um, For about the last five and a half years, I've been working for one of Calgary's largest funeral homes, and I'm what's called a family care counselor. And in that that time frame, I've met approximately 2,800 people or families. And in that meeting, I'm assisting them first and foremost with all of the many things that need to be done when someone passes away. The, the applications and the cancellations and the many, many phone calls and, and so on. 
But I've also found that within a very short period of time in those meetings with either the, the family itself, a spouse, or, or some relative, how very quickly they start opening up to share their own stories and the stories of the person that, uh, that they love so dearly that's, uh, that they're, they're grieving about. And so in that sharing, uh, it really comes from the depths of their heart. And, and I'm not sure if I've got that figured out. The one thing I, I think I appreciate about my work is that there's no games, there's no politics. It's just straight from here, straight from here to me. And, and I'm at a complete stranger to them at that point. So uh, fortunately, uh, sometimes uh, God lets me into their lives in a way where they've shared something that gives me a clue that they, they indeed are uh, children of God. And I've had the odd time opportunity to pray with people, but most of the time I, I, I'm, I'm looking for that connection, but there's, it's not always there. The question that's asked, what, what is my church family to me? It is a place of refuge for me. There, there's times when I need a, a, a big time out because there's the grief I find does transfer to me over a period of time, and particularly in a week where it's particularly tragic. And when I come here, I'm, I know that God is going to bless me from the moment I get in the parking lot and I walk through that front door, and I'm greeted by loving people. They don't know what's going on in my life, and a lot of times we just don't know that. But I can, I'm guaranteed that when I'm here, I'm greeted warmly with a handshake, with a hug, uh, with, uh, with a shot. I like shots. Okay. Um, and, I, and I get down the hall maybe halfway. I haven't even made it to here to get my coffee, and somebody else comes out to greet me. And there are people sometimes who are going through their own pain and their own struggles. But at that point, they're just there to greet me and because there's a loving relationship. This is a safe refuge for me. When Sometimes I don't want to come, and I mentioned that earlier today, but the minute I walk in, I'm so glad that I'm here. This is my church family. God is here with me. And he really he gives me a boost as I go out to face the, the, the rest of the week, where I think we're called to worship. This is a place to regroup. We worship together, but it prepares us for worship out there. And I believe that God has invited me into a a role in my work to worship, to assist people. I may never see these folks again, but they're certainly on my hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Just a few minutes ago, I was talking to to Francis. Francis was telling me a little bit about some of the experiences that he has had in Nigeria, and talking about the fact that he needs our prayers because he's looking about how he can perhaps go back to Nigeria and serve his people there and in a very real way. But there's lots of decisions that has to be made. And so Francis comes to a place that he views as a safe place and then says, I need people to pray for me. And Francis, I'd like to do that. So would you, would you stand, please, and let me pray for you. We're in a place where God's people are, and you've said, pray for me, please. Heavenly Father, we ask that your blessing would rest on Francis this morning. He has all kinds of decisions that he has to make, decisions that have to be made in regard to property, decisions that have to be made in what he wants to do in his life, decisions that have to be made about if you're calling him to serve in Nigeria in a particular way. And so, Father, we ask that your very, very deepest blessings might rest on him, that he might find refuge with you, and that he might find safety as he seeks to make these decisions. And we ask these things, Father, through Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you, brother. Church is not to be a, a corporation. Church is a place instead where, where family meet and where family share the kind of things that are on their hearts and where family, when they need to talk to somebody about something that is difficult for them, can do that because they know that there are people that love them and are going to be able to help make their decisions. If church is a place of safe refuge, I believe that brothers and sisters can have disagreements. It is not necessary to all have exactly the same theological beliefs. We can disagree on theological topics. There can be differences of opinion, but one thing we know is that love always intercedes and that forgiveness abounds. And so my prayer, brothers and sisters, is that our congregation, for you and for each person that assembles here, would be a place of safe refuge. And last this morning, I want to suggest that my dream for our congregation is that it would be a place of abundant joy. And, and I don't know what you think of when you think of abundant joy. I don't know what you think of when you think of being happy. But I believe that God wants to be in a relationship with me. And that, and that sort of blows my mind because here I am, uh, a speck of humanity in a vast sea of man- humanity that has existed for generation for after generation. And God knows my name. He calls me by name. And he wants to be in a relationship with me. And he wants to be in a relationship with you as well. And I want to be in that kind of a relationship with him. I come to church to have supper with the king and with his beloved. And when I am in this place and when I leave this place, God has promised that his Holy Spirit is going to guide me. It's going to be my comforter. His Holy Spirit is going to tell me that I do not have to continue to engage in self-condemnation, that in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation, that I can experience new life, that I can experience a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And when I think of all of these things, when I gather with fellow believers in the presence of an awesome God, I can't help but say this is a place where abundant joy must exist. And I believe that it was this kind of relationship with God that caused David to say, My heart leaps with joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. And so I call on you, brothers and sisters, to make this place a place of abundant joy, to be uninhibited in your worship of him, to lift your voices in praise, to be quick to to say to somebody, This is what God has done in my life, and I am so grateful for that, and I know God can do the same in your life. To be able to uh, say to folks that you're happy that you're here, and uh, you're glad that they're here as well. And so, as I conclude my thoughts this morning, I would like to return just a moment to my introductory thoughts as I talked about Dr. Martin Luther King. He reminded the searchers for freedom that he was speaking to where they had been. He talked about where they were now, and then he talked about his dream for their future. And so he concluded, 
by starting with, My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside let freedom ring. And that's really what I've been talking about this morning. I believe that freedom can reign in your heart if you are rooted and grounded in love and in God's uh, grace and if you know really who you are. I believe that freedom can ring in your heart if you truly are part of this congregation of people that are making it a safe place to be and if you worship him and experience with him abundant joy. And so I pray as well that freedom might ring for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful that you love us. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, that you place us in a body of people that love us. And we pray, uh, dear Father, that we might be uh, uh, worthy, that we might walk in your presence, and that we might indeed experience the kind of things that you want for us. And we ask this, Father, through Jesus' name. Amen.